This is the Cinema for All podcast. The celebration of going to the cinema with Jack Shell and Abby Standish. Welcome back to the Cinema for All podcast. We're returning to you a little early with a mini-sode featuring an interview with Matt Wolf, the director of Recorder, the Marion Stokes project. And if you listen to our last episode in which Jack returned back to the cinema after lockdown, and this was before the tier system was introduced, of course, um, you may have heard us mention this film. Do you remember, Jack? Yes, I do, because I love videotapes. And it was the the woman who was an activist in the 60s and she recorded, was it 70,000 tapes of major news stories, global events, just everything, really. Yeah, yeah, really incredible archive that is, is you know, you can't compare, really. And you're going to find out a lot more um, about it. Amazing. What was it like chatting with Matt? It was really cool because he's he directed a film that Jay and I like called Wild Combination about Arthur Russell. Um, oh, and yeah. Have you seen that one, Jack? No, but I should. Why haven't I seen it? I know that? you like Arthur Russell. Um, I do like Arthur Russell. <laughs> well, def- definitely check it out. And it was just really cool to learn about how he discovers um, stories and, and how this project unfolded. So it is, it's, it is about this amazing archive she kept, but it's also about who Marion was as a woman and, and kind of how this project affected her life and the people around her as well. So um, we'll just let you get into the segment. Amazing, let's get into it. But I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit about how you came to know Marion's story and and what drew you to wanting to make a film to look deeper into it. When Marion's tapes were acquired by the Internet Archive, there was an initial round of press. And I'm a filmmaker who works with a lot of archival footage. So when I heard about this unprecedented collection in which, you know, basically it contains everything and anything, I was obviously intrigued. So I um, contacted the Internet Archive and they connected me to Michael Medelitz, Marion's son. And so I went down to Philadelphia to meet with him. And when I did, um, I was surprised to find that he was living in Marion's former apartment in one of the fanciest buildings um, in um, Philadelphia. And I went inside and when I entered the apartment, it was filled with vintage Macintosh computers and their original boxing. So that was obviously a surprise to me as well. Um, And then Michael and Marion's secretary, Frank and I went across the street to the restaurant where Marion would have her daily martini. And as we were talking, I I started to um, realize how complex and unique of an individual she was. And Michael and and Frank started to cry. And I realized that as much as this is a story about an unprecedented archive, it's also um, an intense and emotional family story. Yeah, definitely. And, And that really, really shows in the film. And I think it's so nice to have both of those stories have as much um, of the stage in the film um, because of, of course her project of archiving television for 30 years is extremely intriguing in itself and to see what kinds of things that the footage actually grabs and, and why she did it but also what kind of person is driven to that and um, what, what do you think even, it's obviously spanning a massive part of history, but what do you think it teaches us today about news and information in a very um, precedented time for journalism? 
Well, I think Marion was onto something as early as 1979 during the Iranian hostage crisis, which was a news event uh, that played out um, every night, kind of like a soap opera for 444 days. And she was rightfully concerned at that moment that the predilections of news producers was coloring their depiction of history. And she wanted to record television to create a definitive record so that people could seek the real truth. And now we live in this so-called fake news era um, in which, you know, more of the oversaturation of news on television has led towards the ideological stratification of information on different networks. I don't know if that's true in the UK, but it's certainly the case in the US. And a network like Fox News has become a mouthpiece for President Trump and, uh, or I hope to say former President Trump in two weeks. But, um, you know, that as a result, um, it influenced public opinion and national politics. And that was what Marion was concerned about. Uh, concerned about way back when is that people watching Fox News don't have good information and it's created uh, a situation in which they make um, bad political decisions. And so um, I think more and more with the oversaturation of news on the internet and TV, it becomes clear that TV continues to have an incredible influence on the way people make decisions about, about their, their lives. Yeah, definitely. And I guess because it's, it's much more ongoing than a film. A film is a set period of time and of course it makes an impact on you and you probably do remember it but the way that a news cycle in particular is that it's a cycle. It's bound to have a much more kind of um, continuously linear effect. Did What was it like, how did it feel when you were, I know that you went to the archive um, to, to look at Marion's tapes, how did it feel to just see that 70,000 tapes visually and what how did you get to decide what you were going to include from her archive in your film? I mean it was astonishing to see that volume of material. The Internet Archive has a storage facility in the East Bay of, of California and um, you know it has industrial shipping containers that were filled with pallets that contained box upon box of tapes and Fortunately, Marion labeled all of her tapes and, and stored them spine side up in these cardboard filing boxes. And so um, we were able to create a conveyor belt system in which we took photographs of the top of each box. And then a sort of army of volunteers from around the world, after we put out a call, started to log and transcribe the, the metadata she had written on the spines of these tapes. And eventually a full-time archivist came on and completed this database of 70,000 entries. And, um, you know, I use Wikipedia to search for um, big ticket current events, but also more obscure marginal histories um, from every year during the span of Marion's taping. And our archivist, Katrina Dixon, would help me locate those tapes. And someone from the Internet Archive would have to go and get a forklift, find the pallet and the box and the actual tape, and we would go to get that digitized. But Marion recorded an extended play, so these tapes are six to eight hours long. Um, so in the end, we, we only digitized 100 of 70,000 tapes, but we had 700 hours of footage. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. And I think the the you just pulling out certain ones from a vast amount really helps make the storytelling in the film have a greater impact because of the ones that you have chosen and how you've chosen to, to present. And I'm not going to spoil anything for the viewers, but there are just some interesting ways in which you show um, the footage in line with what some of the, you know, kind of more talking head pieces are talking about um, that make it such an interesting watch and bring such a fresh eye 
and kind of a chilling eye to things that we stories that we know really really well which I always think is really powerful in filmmaking for sure and um, the, the film also has a, a, it kind of brings up organically these and it does get obviously referenced um overtly but the idea of a perspective is everything so there's a perspective of now we've got all this retrospect these these videos are valuable and they tell us something and that's only we can only understand that now but also the idea of what what makes a collector and what makes a harder or the rational or the irrational just wanted to if you could talk a little bit about that those themes well i think marion i perceive her as someone who is radical not only because of her politics and activism earlier in her life but also because she operated outside of established institutions. She wasn't pursuing this at a library or um, a government archive. She was doing it privately. And um, I think a lot of people for that reason thought that she was some sort of pathological amateur historian, but in fact she was pursuing a project that others didn't necessarily find value in. For decades the networks were disposing of their archives and, you know, Marion had the insight to see value in this material where others did not. And it's also worth mentioning that she was a black woman of a certain generation and inevitably she would have been excluded from these established institutions in their leadership. So um, she, she pursued a radical project, but I think, you know, when people don't see value in the material being collected, they might um, call someone a hoarder. And, and if they do see value, suddenly they're an archivist. That said, Marion was to some extent a hoarder, but that part of that impulse went towards creating a collection of incredible historical value. Yeah, definitely. And, and in the film, when, you, when we're hearing from her family and the people that were closest to her, you can see that that's come at a cost, that, that um, kind of um, formidable and um, sense of urgency about what she did and the importance of what she did and how it came first ultimately, which again, I guess makes her different from what society perceives as okay in terms of our relationships and how we um, navigate them. Do you, do you think that was really important to show that, that the, the, the genius and the incredible um, efforts that she's made and, and the rewards from that, but also what that can leave in its wake a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was really important not to make a rose-tinted kind of portrait of Marion. She was a, a difficult and complex and sometimes problematic figure. I've, I've used the word problematic visionary to describe her. I think that Marion um, had insights in equal measure to dysfunction and that the two things can coexist. And in fact, people pursuing unprecedented projects often are dysfunctional to a certain, to a certain degree. And that her project did come at a great personal cost and she alienated her family and in some ways almost chose information over people. Um, and so there's something quite poignant about that, but at the same time, she did something extraordinary. So I think we can hold those two things at once. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really important to show. And you've made quite a few documentaries and there, there is, seems to be like a theme of, obviously there's Wild Combination, which we love in our office, big Arthur Russell fans, great documentary. And um, what about teenagers as well? So all these kind of people that in a societal sense can be perceived on the outside. And is that a particular thing that you're consciously drawn to or do you think that just ends up being kind of a story you uncover as you're doing the project? 
I'm definitely drawn towards hidden histories, things that have been kind of overlooked or that are not well known and, and the individuals who are at the center of those histories, the, the people who have the, the kind of emotional stories that uncover things that we otherwise would not see. And I definitely in pursuing those hidden histories and most often finding characters who have a visionary dimension, but that there's there's some kind of other layer of complexity that may or may not be the result of why their work has been obscured or overlooked. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely attracted to artists and Marion is not an artist, but I see some of the same characteristics, someone who has a kind of laser focus on a project and a determination to pursue something that other people didn't necessarily understand and, and for it to create um, an, an entire world. So, um, you know, those are the characteristics um, that draw me into stories for sure. Yeah, definitely. And and do you think documentary in particularly as a genre and a form of filmmaking has a role to play to do to bring those complexities forward and, and hidden histories, as you say? Oh, absolutely. And that's why I'm a documentary filmmaker, because I can treat history in a different way. That's that's not academic and also relegated to the margins, but something that can reach a broader audience. And in a lot of ways, I see myself as a translator. I I look at the work of, of individuals who may have not had the ability to, to speak about it in a way that was accessible for a broader audience. And I try to help do that for them without... without um, you know, watering down or obscuring the complexity of what they were pursuing. So, you know, my, my goal is to bring these hidden histories out of the margins and into the center where there's a bigger conversation about that. Yeah, absolutely. And you can kind of just take away what you will take away from it, which I think is really good about your documentaries is that you're kind of showing a few sides and then a person, an audience member makes an opinion or a decision or um, an idea or maybe just goes away and thinks about things a little bit more, which is... I think, you know, the great power of documentary. Are there any documentaries in particular that you've watched that have done that for you? They've uh, um, risen something to your consciousness that um, excited you or interested you or you didn't know about before? Oh, I mean, so many, it would be hard to identify one film, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm always most drawn to films that have unique archive that I've never seen before um, and that have kind of unprecedented access to subjects with psychological complexity that they're willing to share on screen. So every year there's many, many films like that. Um, there's not one definitive film that was a guide for me in that sense, but um, you know, it's, it's what I'm drawn to and what, what gets me excited in, in filmmaking. Yeah, definitely. There's something really interesting when archive footage is a part of a brand new documentary and how, I think that helps represent those complexities because it's something that was from then and there's something that was from now and you're getting to see that through the two lenses, which is which is really cool. Is, is there anything in particular you would like um, the audience to take away from the film or um, anything that, that might, any questions you'd like it to make them ask or anything in particular? Um, I think now more than ever, the truth is harder to get. It's hard for us to... Um, make decisions based on solid information. We're living in incredible chaos right now um, in which there's a lack of leadership or transparent communication about the very things that will protect our, our lives and, and even more urgently our future. 
on this planet. And, and I think more than ever, we have to show a hypervigilance to seek the truth and, and to demand it um, from those who are producing history. And that's a lofty goal, but Marion is an example of somebody who pursued that in a very unconventional way. And that we too um, should be going outside of the box to seek the truth, whether in very small and intimate, intimate context or in, in larger big world pictures. So um, I, I left the film thinking about ways that I can seek the truth. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really, really good point, and that definitely comes through from the film. Um, we because this this um, podcast is about the celebration of going to the cinema, and the cinema landscape is changing enormously at the moment with everything going on, of course, like many things. But um, I wondered if you could talk about a particular cinema experience that you enjoyed, whether it was recent or when you when you were a kid. Oh, I mean. It's, I had a, another film, Spaceship Earth, come out this year, and it was released entirely virtually except for a few drive-in screenings. But, um, you know, during that film release, I came to really miss and appreciate the special experience of going to a film and seeing the audience uh, of my film and having a Q&A and, and seeing people's faces and talking to them directly and, and then hanging out afterwards in front of the theater, talking to people. And so I'm really, um, you know, I really think back fondly of the last big screening I had at the Harvard Film Archive at Harvard University in, in Boston, Massachusetts and, and how special of a screening it was and how I won't take that for granted in the future when I'm able to connect with audiences in person again. Yeah, definitely. I think it's given us all a, a much greater appreciation for those shared experiences. And what a perfect venue to screen this film as well. Really great. Um, yeah, yeah. Great. Are there, are there any projects that you're working on or anything that's piquing your interest at the moment that you're allowed to talk about? I'm not allowed to talk about it, but I'm, I'm on the hunt and chasing two separate subjects. So we'll see how it turns out. But I hope to bring another film to people in the next two years for sure. Oh, brilliant. Well, we'll definitely be on the lookout for it and look forward to, to whatever you make. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're very welcome too. Oh, that was great, Abby. I really enjoyed that. I think, I think what really stands out is that this is a story of somebody who has been hidden from history, but also recorded history. Um, and that's just so interesting. You know, if, if anybody listens to the podcast that me and Abby talk about those hidden figures all the time, especially women or people of colour that have that've not had their stories spoken about or shared very widely. So films like this are, are super important and super interesting. I think what was also really interesting was that um, intuition that she had to know what to preserve and what to record um, of major events, even when the you know TV executives were getting rid of things. That's fascinating, that sort of intuition from somebody outside of the industry had um, that was greater than the people that were within it, and they didn't have that kind of archivist intuition that she had. Yeah, definitely, and it's so interesting that that's a way she could be involved with what was going on, in a sense, and... and, and preserve something for everybody to have access to because you can go on um the the archive in america's website to access any of these um recordings that she made if you want to look up a certain news story or anything really that she she took um a recording of which is really really cool so it's something that is shared now and not just in her apartment um which is what her hope for the for the tapes were so it's nice that that yeah. happened. I wish somebody had done this with um, 
Doctor Who episodes, Abby. You know I like Doctor <laughs> Who. There's a lot of missing missing Doctor Who stuff out there that the uh, the BBC deleted. So really, if, if only. <laughs> I know, I know. We're always trying to. We've done many a Google search for things like that before. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you if you're interested in watching the film, you like this interview, you can actually watch it on modernfilms.com forward slash Marion Stokes, and you can select Cinema for All as a partner to watch it with me, which means a portion of the proceeds go to us as a charity which really helps us support our work in making cinema accessible to all so you're welcome to do that if you have you're in a position to do so great and if you'd like to listen to some more interviews excellent cinema stories whilst you're at home go back and check out some of our previous episodes for cinematic delights and if you enjoyed the podcast at all please do rate and review us on itunes or your podcasting app it's super helpful in helping other listeners find us but for now it's time to roll credits Producer Jay Platt Logo designed by Lydia Lipinski at Thoughts Make Things Hosted by Jack Chell and Abby Sandish with thanks to Violet Pictures, Matt Wolf, Modern Films and Deborah Parker The Cinema for All podcast is supported by the BFI awarding funds from the National Lottery Thank you! Thank you!